0: The pitch inside, ball four, and that's another run charged to Luke. There's Benintendi, comes in to score. It is now six to three.
1: And the way he goes back on, on balls is extremely special, man. He has to get a goal club at some point.
2: The culture of this league has been that unless they think you are a threat to the community imminently, this league will give second chances.
3: Look, i got to give Toronto fans and, and Hamilton fans a really a lot of credit because they spoke up, they let their voices be heard, and the CFL stepped in and did the right thing. If a game is played, I think there definitely needs to be a, a aspect of it that involves a fundraiser or some sort of way to give back to the community, some way we can make it a positive impact on Houston.
2: Behind all these
3: Swarovski crystals and little black dresses, this girl has a lot of grit and she's not going anywhere. This is the scott MacArthur show with special guest host mike hogan on tsn 1050 the voice of toronto sports
2: minute after one o'clock hogan in for scotty mack today here on tsn 1050 busy busy show should be an interesting show as well we're gonna kind of kick things around all over the place um first of all most importantly skrizzy your home welcome back michael skrizniak
0: feels so good, did, did
2: you miss us? I miss Lavery. Oh, okay, that's fair. And that's a that's producer, Sean Lavery, who gets the love. I don't, but I'm used to it around here, so I'm, I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. Uh, coming up on the show today, uh, at 1.30, we'll get some football talk in. Eric Edholm will join us, NFL writer for Pro Football Weekly. And uh, he actually wrote a story a while ago that I want to talk to him as, as well, that he actually has pinned on his Twitter account, about one of the more fascinating guys to ever cover football anywhere. A fascinating story, and I am so happy that he pinned that, or otherwise I wouldn't have seen it. So Eric's going to drop by. We'll get you ready for the beginning of the National Football League season, and we'll talk about Matt Stafford. And look, I didn't realize this. Matt Stafford is now the highest-paid football player on the planet. He's doing all right. New contract with the Detroit Lions. The highest-paid baseball player is Clayton Kershaw. Here's something that I didn't know or heard it in passing and completely forgot about it. These two guys grew up together. These guys played, as kids, baseball, football, basketball, and soccer together. And I'm thinking, if you played one of those sports with Stafford and Kershaw, seeing the money that they're making... And you were the third best player on one of those teams. How are you feeling today? You're just looking around. You're going, "Oh, good for them," but oh my god, my two teammates are making like a quadrillion dollars between the two of them. That's a I, I, I did not like same all the way up. Just buddies hanging out. They even looked alike when they were kids, to the point where I read one story where one of them, for our argument's sake, Matt Stafford scores a goal. And Kershaw's mom is all excited. Hey, Matt scored a goal. And she was told, no, that was your son who scored the goal. Like, even the mothers couldn't tell the kids apart. It's a neat story. We'll talk about Matt Stafford uh, winning the lottery and uh, get into uh, all things NFL with Eric Edholm. By the way, I'm almost devastated today. You never get devastated at this stage by a trade in pro sports. But this one, oh, I'm sad about this one. And it's even rarer when you get sad about a long snapper in football. With, you know, no disrespect to any of the former or current long snappers that may be listening right now. Very vital position. And you only realize you don't have one until the guy that uh, is doing the job that you take for granted can't do it anymore. But even if you are not a fan of long snappers, even if you're not a fan of football, you may know John Dornboss. Because he has been on, is it America's Got Talent? He's been on almost every show. He's been on Ellen. He's been everywhere. He's a magician. So now it might be going, oh,
1: that guy.
2: Yeah. Like, he went, I don't know how many weeks, I don't watch the show, but you would see it retweeted almost every week. Oh, he, he won again on America's Got Talent or got to the next round. So I don't know if he won it, I don't know if he was a finalist, I don't know how far along he got. But every week you would see this spectacular trick that he did. And he got traded today to Seattle. So Seahawks fans, enjoy him. Is a, very, it's a It's a horrible story. Um, he, he turned to magic when he was a little kid because his father murdered his mother and got thrown in jail for life. So this kid is essentially loses two parents on the same day when he's a little guy. And one of the things that helped him get through this horrific tragedy is he learned how to do magic. And it just kept him occupied for hours. And he got really good at it. So if you're, if, you're, if you're bored at work or just want to check this out when you get home tonight, uh, John Dorumbos, D-O-R-O-N-B-O-S, I believe is how you spell it, J-O-N. Um, fascinating guy. So he's gone. We may even bring that up with Eric. Eric will know who he is. Uh, top of the hour at 2 o'clock. He's already here. Had a little chat getting ready for this. But Max Domi from the Arizona Coyotes is here. And um, he was back here last year as well. One of the things that Max does as well as uh, playing hockey is he works for uh, the Diabetes Foundation and Essentia Diabetes Care Canada. So they've got a new campaign coming up. He's going to talk about that. So we'll get into that with Max and ask him about the hand. Busted up his hand in a fight last year and missed probably about a quarter of the season, roughly third of the season. We'll get into that with Max. He'll join us at 2 o'clock in studio. Uh, Drew Edwards will join us from the Hamilton Spectator and the website Three Down Nation. He was the one that got the exclusive interview yesterday with Scott Mitchell. He covers the TICATS on a daily basis. So uh, when we left here yesterday, we were trying to figure out what was going to happen with Art Bryles and well, we found out last night. This is uh, this is. Not a good story. I guess the right conclusion happened here as they relieved him of the duties he never really had. But you don't think social media has some impact? You don't think sponsorship has some impact? You don't think the Canadian Football League commissioner driving from Toronto to Hamilton to have a face-to-face as opposed to doing it over the phone doesn't have some impact? Well, it had some impact. The Tiger Cats should be congratulated for doing the right thing in the same way that they should have been castigated for doing the wrong thing. They made a mistake. They made a major mistake. And no matter how they came to the conclusion, they came up with the right final thing to do here. And we'll hear from Scott Mitchell from the news conference in about, I don't know, 10 minutes, not even. So stick around for that. Um, And speaking of that story, Philip Erickson, we'd booked yesterday and we're going to stick to this. Um, he is a reporter for the Waco Tribune-Herald. And if you're wondering what the city of Waco, Texas has to do with this, that's where Baylor is. That's where Art Briles coached. The scandal was obviously front-page news there. Not on the sports section, but of the news section. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to Philip about what the reaction was in Waco when they heard that Art Briles actually had, A, not only a job again, but a job in football again. The reaction was probably mixed to a degree. Uh, Don't forget, if you go to Penn State right now, you can go up and you can look at a statue of Joe Paterno. They still honor him there. They put the little numbers back on the hockey helmets. They think everything that Joe Paterno had to do with the Sandusky scandal was just dandy. And I'm sure there are people at Baylor right now that think uh, that Art Briles playing the ostrich that was just dandy. I would hope that the majority of the folks in Waco were outraged with what happened down there and the uh, now former coaches uh, connection to all of that. but we'll find out from Philip Erickson because this this did make news not only obviously made news in Waco but it made news across the United States. He was trending yesterday It was like the number three trend on Twitter like this is a big story like he, even TMZ did some reaction to this, so you know it's a news story when, And you know it's probably not a good news story when so we'll talk to Philip about that uh, then at, uh, that's at 2:30. Then we have the three o'clock baseball hour drop by who uh, covers the Marlins in Miami for CBS and we'll we'll talk about John Carl Stanton and it's even when the Marlins were winning and getting to World Series, the Dolphins are still the big fish in that market. But I'm wondering, right here at the onset of an NFL season when everybody's optimistic, even Dolphin fans, they're optimistic that this team can, you know, maybe not catch New England, but can play over its head and maybe stay competitive. You know what fans are. You're probably one of them not necessarily for Miami, but if you're an NFL fan right now, you're probably thinking nothing but good things about your team right now. Scores how are the Titans going to do this year? Are they are they a playoff team? Super Bowl champs? Huggies. See there you go. Now that is an example of a fan of a team being maybe a little over optimistic. Sean Lavery, who's your NFL team again?
3: I don't, okay, funny story. Oh, I never no, had an not, NFL go, team. Okay, I never yeah. had an NFL team. Go and then, stamps. Why doesn't this surprise me? And then last year, I'm like, I need to get in the NFL more. Therefore, I need to have a favorite team. Okay. So, long story short, I settled on the Kansas City Chiefs because I didn't want to be like Patriots guy. Okay.
2: No. Okay. That's good.
3: But no. Then, wanna... Now, now you've piqued my interest here. Yeah. So
2: you have an opportunity to select any team in the NFL. You're an unrestricted free agent as a fan. Exactly. What prompted you? Oh, sorry. What were the criteria involved for you to go? Okay, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, may- no, not them, no, not them. Uh, I like them. What did you go through as a fan looking for
3: a favorite team? My like whole thought process was how would other people react to my decision, right?
2: Well, now no, why would you do it that way? That because, is, not, you came up with this great idea. Now you've lamed it right up.
3: Well, because my roommate's a Patriots fan, and it absolutely drives me insane. Okay, so you needed, you I needed live an anti-Patriot. Exactly. So,
2: did you want then specifically to have an AFC team? Uh, or it didn't not really particularly? Matter? It okay. didn't really matter. No. Okay, so who did you eliminate? You eliminated the Patriots right from the get-go. Yeah, right from the w- get-go. What were the other easy teams to eliminate? Guys like. The Cleveland Browns. Well, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Even though, see, and this is why I wanted to ask the criteria, because at least the Cleveland Browns are drivable, correct? Yeah. Do you have to go? No. Okay, you were just turning, somebody was bothering you there. Yeah, Max Dome is trying to get through, so. Oh, okay, yes, that's, that's yes. why. Let Max Dome go. Yes. Um, so, you did you, obviously, you didn't care if they were drivable or not because you ended up with Kansas City and not Cleveland or Buffalo or Pittsburgh or somebody or
3: Detroit? Right. So, I can tell you another thing that connects me to the Chiefs. Uh, Alex Smith, a Utah Ute. Uh, my whole mom's side of the family is from Utah. My grandma oh. absolutely loves Alex Smith. So, that kind of played a role too. Okay. So, um, now there's
2: a little method to the madness. And
3: I could, two final teams that were also in contention were the Oakland Raiders and the Tampa Bay Bucks.
2: So, what pushed Kansas City over the, now, Red uniforms. You're from Calgary. Exactly. Flame Stampeders. Did that thing. have something to do yeah, with
3: it? Yeah, the red and yellow looks like the Flames' home alternates. Okay. They're pretty much the same colors. Okay, so, so that had something to do with it.
2: Okay. And what, what what made the final decision? What was the final factor that made you a Chiefs fan and not a fan of Tampa or
3: Oakland? They're good now, but they're not so good that it's like a bandwagon jump yeah. in a way, if that makes sense. When,
2: when the Expos died, I looked for a favorite team. And I kind of went through the same criteria as well. And I thought, okay, I'm a National League guy. Always have been my entire life. So I started looking at National League teams and thought, okay, I'm an Eagles fan. Should I be a Phillies fan? I went, no, I hated the Phillies when the Expos were around. That they was a big rival. Couldn't do it. Um, I hate the Mets. I couldn't do that. Pittsburgh, nah. Can't, I love the ballpark, but nah. Just again, another big National League East rival. I went through teams, and I just I couldn't come up with one. I didn't want to make the move and follow them to Washington, even though I liked the town. Just there was no. It was too painful to see former Expos in another uniform. And I decided on no one. And it was like, could I become a Cubs fan? That would be easy and trendy. And they hadn't won at the time. But if they had won, like what happened last year, there's no way. That I, as a 10-year fan of the team, could have possibly enjoyed it to the same level as those who had been a Cubs fan their entire life. And I thought I would, even if I had been there for a while, it would have felt cheap. I've, I've kind of stuck with the teams from my ute. So there was that. Uh, we're going to scoot away. When we come back. Uh, We will have Scott Mitchell join us. Uh, He's going to, uh, not live, but via the magic of the news conference. Uh, You will hear what he said today uh, in light of uh, a quick 180 by the Hamilton Ticats. He's the president. He's up next. As we continue with the Scott MacArthur Show, Hogan in for Scotty Mack on TSN 1050. 20 minutes after 1 o'clock, it's the Scotty Mack Show. Mike Hogan uh, in for Scotty today. He'll be back next week. Coming up uh, a little bit later, bottom of the hour, Eric Edholm from Pro Football Weekly. And at the top of the clock, Max Domi from the Arizona Coyotes will uh, drop in the studio and uh, we'll chat uh, about uh, on ice matters with uh, Max, the uh, health of the hand. And we'll get into uh, one of the reasons and probably the main reason why he's uh, talking to us today. First up, though, we uh, we revisit what happened uh, yesterday with the Hamilton Cats, The news broke uh, yesterday morning, 10-ish, 11-ish, somewhere in there, uh, that they had hired Art Bryles. Uh, I would assume that the majority of folks listening to this radio station had no idea who that was. I can assure you that the majority of Hamilton Ticat fans had no idea who that was. Uh, but if you're a college football fan or just follow the news a little bit, uh, you would know about the sex scandal at Baylor. Uh, uh, almost a culture of sexual assault. Many play Double-digit players involved. Um, double-digit women involved. Not a pretty sight. People in jail, people facing charges still. Uh, not good. Bryles was the head coach. How much he knew about this is up for debate. It sounds like there's zero question he did know about it. And essentially didn't call the cops. Paterno-esque in that way. So, Hamilton announces he's going to be one of their assistant coaches. Uh Uh-oh. The poop storm began, and it began rather quickly. Uh, Sponsors started pulling out. The fans went crazy. Ticat fans, longtime Ticat fans, were threatening to cancel season tickets. Um, Again, sponsorship pulled out. And this was on a night where they were having a promotion called Huddles and Heels. A program for women where they could go and get some firsthand uh, coaching and learn a little bit more about the game. Uh, there was a t-shirt involved. There were tickets to the game. A fun promotion. Great promotion. For those who may be a little intimidated to learn more about the sport, it was a fun way to do it. Uh-oh. So the major sponsor of that, uh, the jeweler in, uh, Barry's Jewelers in uh, Hamilton, pulled out the sponsorship, wrote a rather scathing public letter about why they did it. So the Ticats had to to make a change. The commissioner of the Canadian Football League drove down. He didn't want to do this over the phone, apparently. Um, He won't be speaking today, by the way, for those who are curious. But he drove to Hamilton, had a discussion with uh, people involved with the Ticats. I don't know who's in that meeting. One of them, I presume, was Scott Mitchell. Uh, Scott Mitchell, the president of the Ticats, talked to the media this morning and uh, addressed the media and was asked the question what changed your mind?
0: Well, I think that uh, obviously, uh, clearly, um, what was being contemplated was totally unacceptable to the general public. Um, obviously, uh, um, and the media and i think that uh when we took a step back and, and have a chance to talk to uh to the league and some of our partners and some of our fans um you know what we what we thought was an opportunity to uh to give somebody a second chance um uh, was clearly not acceptable in, in relation to what previously happened and what he had uh, what he had been uh, been involved with so um, I think at the end of the day, when the public is, is that clear about their opposition to something, um, and I think uh, uh, you acknowledge that uh, that you've misread a situation, uh, you've got to clarify that, you've got to admit the mistake, and, and you've got to uh, uh, be public about that with the fans and your supporters and the media, and then you got to move forward.
2: So that's Scott Mitchell, president of the Ticats, uh, talking about why he uh, changed his mind. And uh, the follow-up question to that was... Would he have changed his mind? Would the organization have changed its mind without the CFL stepping in the way it did?
0: You know what, I think the, um, I think the answer is yes, uh, just because of, of what we saw in terms of the public, for good reasons, uh, reaction to it. Um, and they uh, um, you know, they just feel very strongly, obviously, that, uh, that this is unacceptable, that uh, um, the, there may be a time and a place for uh, for Coach Brows to coach, but it's not now.
2: So was the hire unacceptable in the first place?
0: I think a good idea is 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 all relative. I think was it acceptable or not? And I think again, I think sometimes uh, what happens is uh, you get you get too involved in in uh, making a decision without reflecting on the bigger picture of the organization. Um, um, there's a lot of people, for good reason, that support Art Bryles personally. And we heard from dozens of those people uh, who spoke to uh, Coach Bryles' ethics and standards and personality. And, uh, and um, I think at the end of the day, we probably got caught being too uh, too myopic uh, in the coaching world and not thinking about the franchise and the message we're sending to the public.
2: So that again, Scott Mitchell. And uh, one of the things that came out was obviously because of the subject matter involved. Um, there was an outcry. There were several women's groups that got, uh, that got really out in front of this. Uh, several women journalists started writing scathing articles about this situation.
0: And uh, with
2: the Baylor situation, Mitchell was asked if the, if the uh, organization as a whole respects women.
0: Well, I think they have a reason to be to be upset and concerned. I think, uh, you know, again, the circumstances of what happened down there are uh, are, you know, horrific. Um, I think it'll play itself out as to what responsibility specifically our prize had, but uh, that'll play itself out in the legal cat- courts. But, uh, you know, we're we've done everything to support. Um, Uh, women. uh, We've done everything to support the league's programs. Uh, um, I think you'll you'll obviously see us do more and more of that but uh, clearly the last thing we want to send is a message that we don't support women and families and I think everybody who's been around this organization understands we do a tremendous amount for women and families. Uh, Everything we do is actually about, from a community standpoint, is about children and children's health and welfare Um, and obviously uh, uh, mothers and women are are an integral part of that and uh, uh, there's absolutely no um, place for us sending a message that anything related to domestic violence uh, towards women is in any way shape or form acceptable
2: and that's i think everybody's curiosity about this entire story like if you there's there's giving people a second chance i'm in favor of that now the question is Aside from losing his job, did Briles what has he done? What has he done to pay back for whatever mistake he made at Baylor? Doesn't sound like very much. There doesn't seem to be very much contrition when you look at the articles. And we can talk to uh, Philip Erickson, who's a reporter with the Waco Tribune-Herald. He's going to join us a little bit later on in the show. But the, the, there didn't seem to be any contrition from there. So there's the whole second chance um, question, and Mitchell was asked about that, you know, walking the line between giving someone a second chance and, and taking a risk with this kind of hire.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think the I think the overriding message is um, there's always opportunity to tell a positive message, um, and I think uh, you, what you've seen from from the CFL and the team's programs is that, uh, um, and when I'm talking about players who've been involved in domestic violence, uh, there's a very good policy in place that we adhere to, and I think uh, on many occasions they talk about um, the worst thing you can do is, is, uh, is shun and, and, uh, and uh, uh, isolate somebody if they're, if they're contrite and if they really uh, want and, and to admit their mistakes and want to improve the situation. Uh, but it's a fine line between that and somebody who's predisposed to domestic violence. Uh,
2: again, that's Scott Mitchell, the president of the Hamilton Cats who held a, a news conference a little bit earlier on today. And just, uh, it was a good question. Uh, I, I'm not sure which reporter asked this question, but uh, Mitchell was asked how Bryles took the news that he wasn't getting the gig.
0: He did, and he was extremely emotional. Um, I think that uh, I think that Art's uh, um, you know going to spend uh, the next three or four months working on on you know the the facts of the story. It's a very complicated uh, it's a very complicated legal issue, uh, and I think he's going to be working very hard to to. Uh, um, Bring, bring the facts to light over the next few months. But he was he was extremely emotional about it, very
2: much so. There you go. Whether or not you have any sympathy, well, I guess that's up to you. But uh, it's, it, it's kind of hard to when you know the story and some of the facts behind what happened in Baylor. I understand the man wants to get on with his life, but, um, uh, man, there are, there are some things that are tough to get over for obvious reasons and for the right reasons. And, uh, man, I, you, you hear the details of what happened down at Baylor and it turns your stomach. It's just awful, and yeah, the buck stops there. With Briles, he paid for it with his job, and then you can fill in the dot 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 after that. Uh, when we come back, we will uh, we'll talk about football on the other side of the border. Uh, I'm also curious, America at home, what he thought when he heard about the story initially, and then we'll get into the NFL stuff as well. And uh, a story he wrote about a uh, an interesting person in football media history. That is we. Continue with the Scott MacArthur Show. Hogan and for Scotty Mack on TSN 1050. Hello, Mike Hogan with you and for Scotty Mack today. This is TSN 1050, 131. Monday's out of the way. That's good. This is Tuesday, obviously. Uh, coming up on the program at the top of the clock. Uh, We're going to have Max Domi of the Arizona Coyotes in studio. And then at 2.30, we go down to uh, Waco, Texas, home of the Tribune Herald. Philip Erickson um, is a reporter down there. And we're going to get his reaction to what happened uh, over the last uh, 24 hours plus and the very strange story of Art Bryles. But uh, we'll talk about the NFL right now. Maybe get his reaction to the Bryles story as well. From Pro Football Weekly, Eric Edholmes on the line. Eric, thanks for joining us.
1: My pleasure. How are you guys doing?
2: Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Story obviously close to home up here, but uh, when you heard Art Bryles was hired by Hamilton yesterday, what was your reaction?
1: Well, it was interesting, obviously. I think a lot of people in the coaching community say, hey, you know, certainly he was to blame for a lot of what happened down there. There were other people at fault, but this guy has been made to be the scapegoat. I'm not, you know, this is just from the coaching side of things. A lot of people feel like Art Bryles was... Was sort of put up on a stake, and the other people who shared a lot of that blame were not. They've moved on to other jobs. They've they've gone on with their lives, and he's sort of been put up as the, you know, the, the figurehead with the scarlet letter, so to speak. Now, again, I'm not absolving him of any wrongdoing, in what was clearly a rampant uh, series of, of misevaluations, of turning the other way, of, of not taking seriously domestic violence. Uh, um, allegations that, that came up with multiple football players, multiple athletes on that campus. I mean, there was just a, a huge thing. And, you know, at the same time, I also think that, you know, at some point, this guy should get a chance to, to, to work and help rebuild his image. Nobody loves a comeback story more than we Americans yeah. do. So I'm not trying to make light of it. I just, sure. the whole thing was really fascinating to see the way it unfolded. Uh, and to see him get the opportunity, then have it rescinded like 11 hours later. So, you know, a lot of people are applauding the moves. Other people think, uh, you know, at some point he should get another shot.
2: Uh, Before we get into the current NFL, I'm so glad you pinned this tweet at the top of your account, because one of the most fascinating people in the history of our industry is Joel Bushbaum. And you wrote an (laughs) article about him. And, you know, when he passed away, uh, everybody in our industry owed him a major thanks because everybody has ripped off what he did.
1: I think you're absolutely right. For, for people who don't know who, who Joel was, and, and I worked at Pro Football Weekly years ago, then yeah. left when the, when the print production uh, folded. Uh, Joel died on my birthday in 2002. I was down covering the Saints uh, game. And, you know, Called my editor to find out what, uh, what was going on at the office, and he told me the news. And it, and it just it was a shockwave through our building, yeah. and certainly through the NFL, one of the leading draft analysts of his time, but because he was such a shut-in, he never left us out. People didn't realize the power broker he was in the league at the time. And like you said, he really turned a cottage industry into a, a national obsession now. So I had fun writing the story and reminiscing about his place in the game, and, and I hope people who have any interest in the draft will uh, will check it out.
2: But I was in this industry before the Internet really took over, and it was reading publications right. like yours and and reading what Joel put together. And the more I learned about him and the way that he did this pre-Internet was unbelievable how many hours he put into this.
1: And right, you know, there there was no... I mean, if you wanted... Notre Dame football stuff. You had to call Notre Dame up and either have them fax to you, send them through the mail, you know, or you ask specific numbers and maybe they got back to you the same day. And you had to do that for something like 200 schools. Yeah. And he wasn't just plucking the the big names. You know, he wasn't watching NBC on Saturday and seeing who did well. Joel knew about the players that only the hardest of hardcore NFL people knew. Mm-hmm. And when he died, my old boss went through his Rolodex, and there's Al Davis, and there's Joel Bussert, and there's every NFL heavyweight. I mean, the fact that Bill Belichick would call Joel on draft morning, <laughs> you know, back when the draft started around noon Eastern, he'd call Joel at like 10 in the morning and, and just go over his final thoughts and, and run things by him. Uh, just to this day, it just blows my mind and for a guy who – you know, would, would take his dog out for a walk, and that's the only light of day he would usually see. Most of the time he was scouting and working the phones. Uh,
2: and if you want to find uh, that story, it is pinned at the top of Eric Edholm's uh, Twitter account, at Eric, uh, with a C underscore Edholm, E-D-H-O-L-M. Again, kudos and thank you for that piece. Um, thank wanna, you. Uh, I want to move along. Um, it's very uh, very rarely that we talk about a long snapper. It's even rarer that we talk about a long snapper slash magician. How, what are the Eagles doing? <laughs> come on, you're trading the most popular guy in the league right now.
1: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a disappearing act that I think a lot of oh. Philly fans were, were not expecting or hoping for. I mean, J- John Dornbos has been there since, I believe, the 2006 season. And and if you know anything about his backstory, yeah. uh, his father murdered his mother, and he turned to magic at a young age as a way of escaping, as a way of you know coping with the loss. I mean, it's such a heartbreaking story, but he turned it into a positive. He didn't, he didn't sit there and feel bad for himself when he easily could have slipped through the cracks. And obviously he's been a, a pro's pro at what he does in the football field too. And, you know, long snapping is, is such a precise art. It is such a difficult thing. You know, these guys, when, when teams find a good one, they hold on to him for a long time. Mm-hmm. These guys routinely will play into their late 30s and 200 games, played in the NFL and things like that it's a crucial crucial job and and Dornbos has been very good but the eagles did get a draft pick for him they move him onto the saints and I don't know, so maybe he'll take that that magic act to Bourbon Street and have a little fun with it. it could be a part of his deal.
2: Yeah, for those who don't know, if you watch America's Got Talent or whatever the name of the show right. is, uh, you know I don't watch the show, but he would appear on Twitter every week. Somebody was tweeting about what he did uh, the week before. Um, I think our, our our next job, Eric, is to try and find to, uh, a way to lay a claim to lineage to Matt Stafford.
1: I know, right? Not even like, even a... Even a- fourth Cousins yeah. removed, or anything. I mean, and look, I mean, there's going to be a few more in the coming years too. You know, we'll have Kirk Cousins next year. You know, Drew Brees is going to be a free agent. Maybe it's a shorter deal, but it's still for big money. We've got Matt Ryan probably coming up after the 2018 season. Jameis Winston, same deal. I mean, you know, Mariota. So that, there is going to be a next wave of, of quarterback contracts that really stun people. And yet, in a league where the salary cap is going up by factors of 10 and $12 million per team per year, you know, it, it, the money is not as crazy as it seems. I know people say, what has he done? He's never won a playoff game. He's never done this. But the fact is, the market dictates what these guys are worth. And if the Detroit Lions had to think to themselves, well, we let him go, and we get two first-round picks, that's great. Or we have our franchise quarterback in place, a guy who's helped turn this franchise into a, a fairly respectable one. So they felt like they had to pay. They made it. And you know what? The money these, these next couple of years was actually lower than what the franchise tags would have been. So they actually kind of, sort of got a bargain in a, in a kind of way.
2: Uh, Which team intrigues you the most this year? There always seems to be that one or two teams that you don't know if they're going to be better than you think or they're ready to take that next step or uh, a great team becomes even greater. Which team is that for you this year?
1: Yeah, it's a tough call. I mean, I I think a lot of people are, are kind of snoozing on the Philadelphia Eagles a little bit. I mean, you know, Carson Wentz could take a jump in year two. I fully expect that. I think the defense is going to be an attacking unit. I think they're going to have you know, 45 sacks this season or something. And, and Jim Schwartz will get mentioned for head coaching jobs after the year. Um, you know, there's still worries about the run game and the secondary, but they, they could sneak up on people, especially if, you know, the Cowboys are hit by all these suspensions and Zeke Elliott and you know, the Giants maybe get hit by injuries or not as good as everybody thinks. The Redskins aren't the team that um, they, they could be and that sort of thing. So they're, they're an interesting one. Uh, the Bengals, if their offensive line comes together, might might sneak up on some people, and I don't think the Browns are as terrible as everybody thinks. I mean, they're not they're not going to be a one win team again. I think they'll be more competitive this year, even with a rookie quarterback. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, I expect them to kind of bounce back this season. Their defenses look great in the preseason. I don't think Carson Palmer will take a nosedive. So, either yeah, lots. I mean, you know, the Buccaneers may be that no. next team on no. on the verge. The Titans. There's. I think they're all intriguing, but but I I do respect the question.
2: Do you do you see a uh, do you see a, a, a favorite in the NFC right now?
1: That's a great question. I mean, on on one day I could say, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers, the Packers, sure. On the other, I could say the Falcons were this close; they didn't really, you know, lose a lot except to maybe the coaching staff a little bit. You know, I I could convince myself that the Seahawks still have one more big run in them. It's tough to say. There's a lot of depth and balance in the NFC. I mean, the Cowboys at their best could be great by the end of the season. You know, we mentioned the rest of the NFC teams that are really good. I don't think the Vikings are a joke. I think they'll bounce back. Cardinals. So, it's so hard to say. I will say this. You know, I mean, everybody's on the Patriots fan wagon. Everybody thinks the Steelers will be good again. But there's a bigger drop-off in the AFC than there is in the NFC.
2: And is is it the Patriots and everybody else in the AFC?
1: Yeah, I think so. But, you know, maybe somebody from the AFC West jumps up. You know, maybe the Broncos solve their offensive issues. The Chiefs obviously have a lot going on, but they still have a lot of talent as well. You know, I look at the Chargers as a real bounce-back candidate. You mentioned intriguing teams. I think you'd have to throw them in there in the mix. You know, the, the Raiders, I'm not ready to graduate them into that, oh, well, they won so many games a year ago and, you know, Carr got hurt, and they should be better, they should have won a playoff game, and this and that, their defense still scares the heck out of me, even you know, even with Marshawn Lynch helping on the other side of the ball. I, just, I guess I'm not quite ready to put the Raiders in that, that next-level team at this point.
2: Eric, thank you for this. This was a lot of fun. And again, thank you for uh, for pinning that tweet about uh, Bushbaum and that story. That was, uh, that was an outstanding read. I appreciate
1: you reading it. Yeah. No, thank you so much. I had a lot of fun with that. My awesome.
2: Thank you very much. We'll speak soon, I hope. Eric Edholm joining us from Pro Football Weekly. And again, uh, Joel Bo- like he was, uh, he was this frail little guy. Never got, out, like, like, never got out. You could call him a hoarder almost. His apartment uh, was in, in Brooklyn was just littered with books, media guides, uh, files, uh, VCR tapes from back in the day of players and teams and games. And he just sat and voraciously wrote. And everybody who has ever hosted a radio show or a TV show and talked about um, prospects owes a ton to that guy. Because he was uh, he was really an innovator in the way that the draft was was covered. He and Kuiper on the electronic side were were the two guys. Um, but uh, uh, it is such an intriguing read. Eric Edholm. Uh, actually, I'm going to retweet that now. So if you uh, if you go to my Twitter account at TSN Mike Hogan, uh, you can take a look at that. It's uh, it's a story by Eric Edholm. When we come back, uh, among other things, Max Domi is going to be here at the top of the hour. Uh, June Jones was asked questions by the media today. What was his response? We'll get into that next. And Drew Edwards will join us in the next hour. He was at the news conference and at the uh, availability today. Uh, He'll join us at 2.15 here on TSN 1050. 149. Creeping up on two o'clock, Hogan with you here. This is TSN 1050. It's the Scott MacArthur show. Scotty's in next week. Uh, let's see. There was a news conference today in Hamilton. First opportunity for reporters to ask questions of June Jones, the head coach of the Hamilton Tie Cats, who uh, brought his friend Art Briles, or tried to bring his friend Art Briles to join him on the staff. And uh, essentially, what uh, what he said, and this is uh, from uh, Scott Stinson, who was there from the National uh, Post post media. Ticats coach June Jones has no comment on the Bryles almost hiring. Football questions only. So we got crickets today from him. So there we go. Um, which is interesting because uh, I think that the, that the situation may come out uh, in, in, in the shout outs coming up today. Yeah, this one. yeah Here's the music. More music.
0: Uh, talk, another my one.
3: No, one. Oh, on, on,
1: on,
3: Scotty Mac gives a shout out on TSN 1050.
2: You're the real MVP. All kinds of shouting out, all kinds of music for the shout out. We take a look at uh, those who did something, I guess, decent, good, spectacular, noteworthy in the world of sports. The guys on the other side of the glass are going to chime in as well. We start with the man who runs this program on a daily basis, Mr. Michael Skrizniak, technical director
0: extraordinary. Who's your shout-out go to today? My shout-out goes to J.J. Watt of the Houston Texans for raising, right now, in about a day and a half, close to $1.5 million for the, the flood relief going down in Texas. I know what you didn't do yesterday. Listen to this
2: show because I gave him the shout out yesterday. Oh, really? But oh. just get—he deserves a double shout out. I don't know how yeah. often that happens, but if you're going to give a double shout out to somebody on consecutive days, JJ Watt for standing up and pitching in some of his own dough and getting this thing started, and he wanted to raise two hundred thousand dollars, and they're already looking at a million and a half now, and probably more than that with some of the people who have agreed to match donations from uh, from. You know, I think uh, I think what was it. Kraft. One of the owners said that he was going to double or at least match whatever the Players Association or Players Fund could come up with. So this thing's going to get really big, which is really good. I I was re- I was looking at CNN just before it came on, and a levee has burst somewhere in the uh, in the Texas area. They're expecting another what eighteen inches of rain or something like that. Like this is scary. And if a levee bursts, look out. Um, there was a uh, there was a tweet from the county and all it said was get out now or get out fast or something like that in capital letters with exclamation marks like it's 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 going to get worse before it gets better which is tough so i agree wholeheartedly with your endorsement of mr watt all right
3: producer sean lavery what you got kevin pilar blue jay center fielder you see that catch last night it was all right it was a well, for Kevin Pilaro, it, it, right. it was all right. Yeah, it's that's funny you know, we one. expect him to make those. That's almost routine for him. But yeah, now. I was going to say TSN.ca. They have a, a super montage of Kevin Pilaro's catches this year. Mm-hmm. It's like a minute and a half long,
2: and that's just this year.
3: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: The best one he made was when he climbed the wall. Uh, at the Rogers Center against Tampa,
3: yeah, last year or the year before, I was at that game. Were you? Yes, not a big
2: deal. What was your reaction when you saw? It? Could you believe that he had made that catch?
3: No, because like I was, I was in right field in the 500s, so mm-hmm. it's one of those things where you see it happen and you don't really know if he caught the ball or not. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know what just happened, and then you see him come up with the ball, and you're like, holy crap, that was, that was like, amazing.
2: We used to have in high school. We had, you know, obviously you had the rims that were, were the basketball rims that were out, and then you had the ones that were up against the wall that were fastened to the wall. And before you, well, before you could dunk, a lot of people can't dunk, but before you could dunk, you would, you would try to do dunks by d- doing what Pilar did, running up and jumping up the wall and trying to do that. Well, that's, that's what that looked like to me. Uh, Shout-out today. They didn't get there the right way, but they got to the right solution. We ripped them yesterday. I'll give the Ticats a shout-out for getting to the right uh, decision, even though it was probably the wrong way that they got there. Um, Tomorrow's Lotto 649 jackpot is an estimated $9 million, plus one guaranteed $1 million prize, 49 guaranteed $2,000 prizes. Text 649 and your name right now to 105050 for a chance to win $100 in Lotto 649 tickets with Encore. Standard message rates apply to all entries. Welcome to Cloud 649. We go to Max Doma. He's going to join us in studio next. We'll talk to the Arizona forward as we continue with the Scotty Mac Show here on TSN 1050.